We just need to figure out what he's after. With respect, Master Wayne, perhaps this is a man you don't fully understand either. A long time ago, I was in Burma. My friends and I were working for the local government. They were trying to buy the loyalty of tribal leaders by bribing them with precious stones. But their caravans were being raided in a forest north of Rangoon by a bandit. So we went looking for the stones. But in six months, we never met anyone who traded with him. One day, I saw a child playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. The bandit had been throwing them away. So why steal them? Well, because he thought it was good sport, because some men aren't looking for anything logical, like money. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. When the menace known as the Joker wreaks havoc and chaos on the people of Gotham, Batman must accept one of the greatest psychological and physical tests of his ability to fight injustice. This is Basement Cinema, and today we're talking The Dark Knight. Um, We are here today with uh, Bill Barry, who's a consistent member of the show. Bill, how you doing? Very well, man. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for coming back. Uh, Bill has invited his good friend, Jack Falvey, that I remember back from high school. Jack, how you doing? Welcome. How's it going? Glad to be here. And last but not least, Chad, uh, what's going on, man? We've been trying to get you on here for a while. I'm glad you picked this one to come on. Yeah, I'm excited for this. Uh, I love this movie. Always have. Um, so thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, all right. The Dark Knight. Um, Christopher Nolan, the second Christopher Nolan movie that we've done on here. Uh, we did Inception a couple weeks ago, and now we're doing this. I'm really excited for this one. Unfortunately, Nick, uh, co-creator, can't be here today to do this one. He was really excited, but that's all right. We're, we're going we're gonna to move on without him. Um, we usually start this by going over why we love this movie so much um, to, to start it off. So I don't know, Bill, you want to start off on a couple of reasons as to why you love this movie, why we chose this one to talk about tonight? Yeah, uh, this movie is this movie for me is this perfect uh, lineup. Everyone gets uh, everyone gets to experience to have like nostalgic memories of like high school memories that intersect with great film moments. Uh, Jack, Jack, and I have so many awesome stories of like of like remembering exactly when we watched the teaser trailer like the summer before college and stuff like that, like in July. And like, you know, I remember, you know, I remember exactly where I was. And then like the hour after when I was in um, Hutchinson Hall at URI, like when I read that Heath Ledger died before the movie came out and it was like, um, and so it, it, it's equal parts, I think an incredible film and also a film that means a lot to me from a certain time and place. Um, it's funny that you brought up the trailer 
Um, cause I have like, I, I kind of have like vivid memories of that too. And it's actually, it's funny cause after I had seen the movie for the first time, I have this vivid memory of sitting down waiting, uh, for my girlfriend to come downstairs. I'm waiting uh, with her parents in her kitchen and I was rewatching the trailer and the dad was asking me, he's like, didn't you guys go and see that movie like the other night? And I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm watching the trailer again to like relive it. <laughs> <laughs> i remember he just he looked at me like i was a fucking psychopath i was like i don't know i guess he just didn't get it but um yeah it's, it's one of those like random memories it's it's, a, it's much like the joker it's yeah it's 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 the film is in and of itself an incredible achievement but it also it exists uh in a lot it, it's sort of i feel like it's bigger than itself and it was especially before it came out the year before it came out, the hype, you can't explain what it was like to people. Because it was, uh, at least for us. Um, but. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. The hype around this movie was unlike anything I'd ever seen. Um, Jack, uh, if you want to go over a couple of reasons as to why you wanted to come on the pod to talk about this movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, it'd be a long list. Uh, I mean, there's so much about the movie that I love. I'm actually, as I'm recording this, I'm looking on my wall and I'm remembering, I actually have a painted piece from this um, artist, Robert Bruno, where half of it is the Nicholson Joker and the other half is the Heath Ledger Joker. Um, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll text you guys a picture of it later on, but, uh, awesome. but yeah, it's just, there's like, there are just so many things in this movie that it was sort of like an intersection of, of a lot of different interests that kind of hit all at the, at the right time. So again, Bill will remember, we used to be, um, associated with this guy who made films at URI or he, he was like a graduate of URI, but we had been hanging out with him um, in the summer, I think leading up to dark Knight, right, Bill, that was around the same time, 2008. Yeah. Yeah. For Something sure. Like that. And I had been spending a lot of time there. He had shown me all these like fucking crazy movies, like the tombs of the blind dead series and switchblade sisters, like shit I had never seen or heard of before all kinds of crazy shit. And one of the things that he had was this stack of like Batman graphic novels and I had read Watchmen. I loved Watchmen. And then I had read Killing Joke. And I was like, I wonder if there's more good shit from the, you know, from the well to draw water from, you know. So I asked him and he had a stack of stuff. He had uh, the Fables series. He had uh, the Marvel's book. He had Infinite Crisis. And then he had Long Halloween. He had Hush. He had um, Batman the Cult. And I want to say he had like one of the volumes of No Man's Land. I remember borrowing Long Halloween, then getting Dark Victory. Long Halloween is one of the stories Dark Knight is kind of a riff on. It's a Harvey Dent story a bit. Um, obviously, there's Killing Joke in there and all those things. But at the, in the year leading up to Dark Knight, I had also begun reading Batman graphic novels. So things started to like mold into this really fantastic uh, souffle of like, you know, I, I loved Batman when I was a kid. I watched a little bit of the Adam West series and the animated series. And I just liked, you know, the Michael Keaton movies, whatever. And actually I was young enough when Batman and Robin came out, we're like, I don't really fucking hate it the way other people do. I, it's not good. I'm not defending it, but like I can no, watch it. It's fine. That movie's definitely uh, not good, but yeah, it's, it's like, I, I was the same way. I watched it when I was a kid and I, I used to love them. So I don't hate them, but yeah, yeah, they're yeah. enjoyable <laughs> they're a comedy. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, pl plenty of shitty one-liners that I will uh, I'll oh, use fun. on my fiance all the time, and she gets annoyed. It's fine, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So like you know, the lead up to that, the fact that Nolan 
you know, at the time I was a big Memento fan, still am. Um, I didn't love Batman Begins at the time. I felt like the script was kind of shitty. I, I, I still don't love the script, but I've, I've come to love that movie more over time. Um, and, and like Christian Bale, you know, obviously he was Bruce Wayne, but like the whole American Psycho thing leading up to that, the machinist, all that, like he was a solid actor that was playing Batman instead of a comedian, which was Keaton before which is a stupid perspective because I like Keaton anyways. This, this is going in a lot of directions. I apologize. But <laughs> no. in any case, um, it's actually so leading it's, up to the movie. It's the hype things. was, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, no, sorry. Uh, just uh, to bring up Batman Begins because I, I remember after I went into Batman Begins, not really, I, I don't know. I, I didn't have like these crazy high expectations or anything, but I remember leaving that theater when I was, uh, I think I was in high school because I, I went to a party right after. And it was just one of those things that me and my friend, Matt Berglund had, had left the theater and we were just like, holy shit. Like I, I really liked Batman Begins. I thought it was just like a different take on Batman. Maybe it was because I, I grew up with the ones that you were just talking about, like the Batman and Robin. So seeing like a, a much more serious take on it and having, having Nolan directed and all that just kind of. Yeah, like, it was a more like, real realistic take. Yeah. 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 And I, I was going up to like random people at this party and telling you guys seen Batman yet. It was mm. fucking great. Like I really liked it, so I don't know. I I really like Batman Begins. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, I think my I think the reason why it didn't resonate with me so much is because it, it came out either the same year or like right before Casino Royale. And to me, it felt like so many movies were doing like the franchise reboot thing. And I thought Casino Royale was just this like perfect James Bond movie because I wasn't a James Bond fan until Casino Royale, really. And then the fact that Batman Begins was doing the same thing for me, it was kind of like. It felt been there, done that at the time. My perspective's completely different on it now, but at the time I wasn't this, you know. Right. But that's, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm going in the wrong direction. So Dark Knight, <laughs> it's phenomenal performances. It's probably my favorite working director. Um, it's got so many iconic moments. It does the thing where you, it makes you pay attention to this hand while this hand's doing something that you're not, you don't care about. You know, it's that magic trick thing that he, does in the prestige there's so many like little la leaps of logic and things that if you take a step back and you're not in the movie you're like that wouldn't happen that way or maybe that doesn't make sense but you don't care because you're paying attention to the, the other thing that's going on that's um yeah and then like i just think that the movie has it, for most of it like incredible pacing like there's not a moment i think in the first two hours for me where it slows down or you don't feel the threat of the joker or you don't get like critical pieces of the Harvey Dent story. Like it's all the pieces work together really, really well. And you can tell that it's somebody who wrote a story, wrote the story first. And then how do I explain this? Um, did not write the story with the characters in mind, wanted to write a story uh, related it to modern times. And it just so happened to fit those characters the way that he wanted in, in the style that he made it. So a lot more reasons, but those are the ones I'll give you. So. I mean, I, I agree with pretty much everything you just said there. Um, <laughs> uh, Chad, if you want to, if you want to add in a, a couple of reasons as to why you wanted to be on for this particular movie, uh, why, why you love this movie so much. Oh, of course. Um, I actually wasn't one that I didn't see in theaters, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I was excited for the hype. The trailer uh, blew me away. Super excited for it. I was just busy with work. And then, uh, one of my best friends, Billy, uh, he's like, hey, you haven't seen The Dark Knight yet? And I was just like, no, nah, man, I haven't got to it. And he's like, he's like, dude, you're, this is going to be your favorite movie ever. 
And he was absolutely correct. When I did my first watch through, I was like, what the fuck? I wish I saw this in the theaters, you know, to get that experience. That's wild. It took you to um, after theaters to, uh, to see it. You, you especially, because I know you. I know, I know how much you love movies. It's crazy that you didn't get to it. Yeah, that's why my uh, friend Billy was shocked, too. He was just like, what do you mean you haven't seen this? He's like, you have to. But um, pretty much like the, just like the opening scene just literally helped me like a fish. You know, that glass breaking, the, the whole heist about it. Just Something really about that like, that, like, blue color tone with, like, that blue smoke that yeah. comes out, like, right, right in the opening, like, the very opening scene, like, before. Yeah, that, like, that, yeah, the hue was, over. Yeah, so memorable. Um, but just all, like, just all the uh, actors in it, the lineup is crazy. Uh, you know, who was on board for all three trilogies. Um, obviously, rest in peace. Heath Ledger, but um, and we'll, we'll talk his, about his, him in length. Yeah, yeah, his take on the Joker and then this Lucius Fox, just everything, everything about it was just so good and just so intriguing to me that I just literally watched it probably 200 times. <laughs> it, you yeah. know, it's not, it, it's, it's, not it's up there uh, as far as the rewatchability, it's up there with probably one of the movies. You know, it seen. became a film that I put in a DVD player, my first DVD copy I had in my DVD player. And it was just constantly running. So when I get home from work, I just turn my TV on. That movie was on, on whatever scene, <laughs> you know, for like two years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like you said, the, the rewatchability is definitely a factor um, for me, uh, like along with a lot of what you guys said, um, especially what, what Jack was going into it, for me, it was, it was the writing and it, it was the characters um, you have. Obviously you got, you got Batman and the Joker. And what's going on there. But the supporting actors that um, you just, you can't help but genuinely care about. And you're just so intrigued about between, you know, like Harvey Dent's uh, side story is just like amazing to me. Like his, the duality of good and evil inside of him, his fall from grace, the rage that he had going on, like all of that is just, it, that was amazing to me. But you have Gordon um and his, you know, trying to protect his family and the fight against injustice. And you have Rachel Dawes fighting against injustice. You have Lucius Fox and his morals. You have Alfred, um, you know, as Batman's right-hand man, obviously. And Michael Caine, that was just amazing, um, who gave just a couple really powerful speeches. Um, so, yeah, it's the powerful writing. It's the top-notch acting because um, it's, it's about more than just Batman. Um, it's about Gotham and the entire group of people. Um, and they all have their own arc and it's all great. And then uh, the, the realistic type of chaos that the Joker installs, um, the tension throughout the movie that's unmatched in my opinion, um, like it destroys characters entire world. Like, and as an audience member, you just, you feel uncomfortable and safe, like the are unsafe the whole time. Um, even on rewatches. I don't know if you guys still feel that way, but there are like certain scenes where I'm just, it's uncomfortable you know like and that's kind of what like a feeling that you look for in a, in a good movie um well, absolutely agree yeah and well, you know there's there's one thing that this movie has that's that's it's not unique but a lot of really like iconic great films have i'm, I'm thinking of apocalypse now i'm thinking of the third man this there's a performance in the movie that is not the star of the movie but is the star of the movie you know, in Apocalypse Now, it's Colonel Kurtz. In The Third Man, it's it's Harry Lime, Orson Welles. You know, in this, it's Joker. Like he, it, it's 
it's a supporting role, but it's the backbone of, of everything that you care about when you're watching the movie. Because for the first, like, I don't know, half hour, the only thing on your mind is what's happening with the Joker. Like, like the, the rest of the story is very good. And there's a lot of slick stuff throughout the movie, but it's literally, you feel the presence of the Joker, like at every moment of the movie. One of my favorite posters for the movie is um, it's, it's, it's like uh, it's all of the Joker's cards laid out and Batman's shape in the cards, like kind of like splaying out on a table sort of thing. But for me, it's like, it's a perfect visual representation of what the movie is because yeah, the Harvey Dent story is important. Yes. All, all that other stuff is, is critical, but the, but the, the, the ideological fight in the center of the movie is between like these two opposing sides and, and, it's it's a great visual metaphor for the movie. Like, yes, it's a Batman movie, but it is completely colored by the fact that you you care about what's happening with the Joker, where he is, what he's doing. It, it, you know, it's the agent of chaos thing. It's it's like right. it's it's really very cool, and I think it's one of the things that makes continues to make the movie fun the more you watch it. Absolutely, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think that that like what you just spoke on, I, I think that that's why I love. Um, God, how can I put this? Like, I, I love Harvey Dent's story so much um, because you have a character like the Joker and how powerful he is and how memorable he is. And you still have, like, I, I still end up caring so much or like I'm so appalled by what's going on with his character. You know what I mean? Like, it's still, it's still that strong, even though the Joker is just, he owns this movie the whole time. Mm. Um, well, for sure owns the movie, but the Joker uses Harvey Dent the entire time. He's right, the right. underlying, you know, big bad at the end, you know. Exactly. Yeah. It's all because of him. Right. Um, so Chad, you didn't see this in theaters, but I did have a question about the uh um the theater experience for you guys. Cause I I think I Bill, I told you about this on one of our last pods. Is I remember walking out of that theater. And the last two people in the theater were you two. Hell yeah, <laughs> dude. It was, I was, I How tried to, like, I, stayed, I stayed there and I sat there and I was watching the credits and I was taking it all in. And um, I remember getting up and, and walking out and I specifically remember seeing you, Bill, and, and you were just kind of having a conversation with Jack and I'm pretty sure it was Jack, right? You guys went to see it, right? For sure. Oh yeah, sure. we definitely yeah, saw yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I was, I was almost positive about that. I didn't want to sound That's like That's so cool. Wrong. But yeah, I, I just—it's so funny. I, I just—I vividly remember that. Um, um, yeah, I—I I love getting memories like that because I, you know, I have a few memories from like before and after the movie. None about seeing it the first time, but <laughs> it was packed. I remember it was the most packed oh, yeah. theater I'd ever seen. Yeah, it, it was a midnight showing, I think. Mm -hmm. For sure. Um, yeah, I just—I had to—I had to throw that in there. Um, sick. <laughs> so uh, I want to talk about the Oscars real quick and how this movie affected the Oscars going forward. Um, so best supporting actor Heath Ledger got um, obviously well-deserved and the other Oscar that it won was best achievement in sound editing uh, for Richard King. Um, it was snubbed from best director and best picture. So the other, I, I'm going to list off the other movies here. Um, I'm sure you guys have either probably saw this list or have heard about this before, but uh, the curious case of Benjamin button, this, this is what's up for, for best picture nominees. Um, 
Frost Nixon, Milk, The Reader, and Slumdog Millionaire. The only one I haven't seen is The Reader. But from what I read online, it seems like that was the one that kind of stole the spot uh, from from Batman. And everybody says it didn't deserve to be there. I don't know. Dude, that was a strong year. I'm looking right now. Like, dude, Doubt, Frost Nixon. Ooh, Doubt uh, was in that year? Was yeah, that dude. Yeah, oh, dude. Like, Wally was in it. Um, so that was the other movie that was brought up in a couple of the articles that I read is, like, the main reason that they added five uh, more movies to the Best Picture category was because of The Dark Knight and Wally. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. What, yeah. dude, I fucking well, they extended it to 10. What's that? They extended it to 10 nominees, right? After that? Yeah, yeah. They extended uh, that they went from five to ten. They added yeah. more. Um so I thought that was interesting. I fucking love Wally. I definitely think it should be in this uh category for best picture. Um but Wally was great for sure. Yeah. Uh it's funny, we're talking about this just after the last Oscar ceremony, and this was the first year. Uh, I think the first year ever. I actually didn't know that the Oscars were happening until the day of. And I yeah. think it's just one of those things that I've gone so far away from paying attention to the award shows and all that shit mm. because they're just so often wrong or, or they're not, you know, the Harvey Weinstein thing kind of revealed a lot about like the shady ways that he would, he'd like go to nursing homes in Florida and find Academy members who were elderly <laughs> and go and give them free screenings of the movie and like bring Robert Redford or something. And then like Jesus they'd Christ. vote for his movies. So that's how movies like Shakespeare and love or the reader are these like, that's how they got all these Academy Awards, which would then like boost his brand. He would, That's you know, wild. I, I mean, I've heard of like Harvey Weinstein, obviously yeah. the Harvey Weinstein shit, but I never heard of anything yeah. like that. That's incredible. Yeah. So like for <laughs> yeah, years, that makes, he that no wonder saving Private Ryan. Right. <laughs> for showing sneak peeks Ch- of Shakespeare. Chad, what, what were you saying, man? I feel, I'm sorry. I might have stepped on you there. Oh, no, it's okay. I was, I was just saying that that kind of thing, those backdoor deals make sense. It's Hollywood. It's all... It's all money until you well, know. So those kind of things yeah. definitely happen. Yeah. It, it, it's just, a, it's just funny because like, I almost feel like with the Oscars and this is not my idea at all. I heard it on a, uh, I think a Bill Simmons podcast, but I thought he had a great idea. You should vote for best picture 10 years after the fact, because mm-hmm. granted, like you for won't sure. get the juice of like, you know, here, you know, let, let's sell Judas and the black Messiah this year. Right. But at the same time, if I'm thinking back, what's, what's it? 2011. I don't even remember what came out that that year off the top of my head, but you could pick out the great years and then really kind of think about, okay, was no country for old men, the best movie of 2007. Maybe there will be blood was, you know, maybe there were like other contenders. I, I don't know. Uh, the, the Oscars, the award shows, I feel like they've just really lost credibility in the last 10 years. And one of the reasons for that is by expanding the best picture nominee pool. I think the official rule is, they can have from five to 10 nominees because I think some years they've only had like eight or nine. Oh, okay. But, that makes but to me, it's, yeah. it's just like, what are we doing here? You know, like what, I don't understand that. So you're saying like, we'll expand this one category, but the other categories stay constrained. Why, why not recognize them all that way? Why not have a best stunt category? And then movies like, you know, from beyond, or I don't know, evil dead. Like I love those movies. Absolutely love them. Never nominated for anything, but incredibly influential to like Tarantino, Mm -hmm. Alfonso Cuaron, you know, people who make Academy Award winning movies. And it's like they never get the recognition. I don't know. Just it's annoying. But (laughs) no, I I agree with that. Like you should sit there and like marinate on that movie. Like how many times do they actually do a watch through of these movies that they vote on? 
You know, is it one time yeah. and they're like, okay, here we go, let's nominate it, or is it a few times? Well, that's you know, the other problem, too. You know, a marination period would be uh, yeah. very smart, like maybe next year you vote on the year before. Right. I, that, yeah, that, that, I completely agree with that. Like, uh, Sorry, go ahead, Bill. No, nah, man, after you. Yeah, no, I, I just think that, like, what Jack said about Bill Simmons saying that and what Chad said about a marinating period, I think you're right, because there are a lot of those movies that you look back on and you're like, damn, but... Like I can't, I just, I just can't believe that either it wasn't up for a nomination or it it didn't it was up for it but it didn't win. Like what you brought up before, like the Shakespearean love winning over, I think it was Saving Private Ryan that year. Was yeah. just like it's that's, a fucking it's joke. Yeah, that, that's a wild. To look back wild. on, it's it, like it, it, I don't know. Um, so Bill. so so here's here's uh, here's the last thing I'll say with the Oscars because we're not talking about the Oscars, but just for a second, <laughs> what won Best Picture in 2019? Does anybody know? <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. The, uh, uh, the point well, is, you don't know off the top of your head, right? Right. Okay. What was, was the La biggest La movie of. No, no. That was earlier. But that didn't win show? Best Picture. It was Green Book. What was the biggest uh, movie of 2019? Uh, that's right. Endgame, Doug. Yep. Endgame will last. Green Book probably will not. You know? Right. So. Well, that's a great point. <laughs> That's yeah, that's fucking awesome, actually. And I genuinely enjoyed the Green Book. I really did. But you're right, Endgame yeah. will will last forever because of the impact it had. Doesn't on. mean yeah, doesn't mean Green Book's a bad movie. It's just right. Star Wars never won Best Picture. Alfred Hitchcock never won Best Director. Stanley Kubrick, I don't think was ever nominated for Best Director. So it's like, fuck, are we doing here? You know, they, right. they're bullshit. You know, yeah. is there, is there a difference between best and most long lasting? Um, best best legacy, maybe. Right. Like, you know, what we're talking about is, is something like the marination period. Like I, I can't tell after I watch a movie, if I liked it until months later and I judge it by how many times have I thought about this film um, in the last six months, the last year. And I can't tell that when it ends. Um, I have to wait a bit and be like, Oh yeah. Like, like the TV show dark. I thought that I didn't dig but I think about it so much that I really want to rewatch it now. Um, so it's a hard thing to assess in the moment. Yeah. That, that's a good question to bring up too. Like, how do you, how do you decide like what makes it the best? Like, is it its rewatchability? Is it how it impacts you at that time and moment? Does it live on? Is it just great for the time that it's in like all that? So yeah, I guess you guys you guys made a bunch of great points um, on that. So I guess not to continue talking about the Oscar thing, but like obviously, so Slumdog Millionaire won this year, right? Um, what would you out of the list here? What would you guys have picked for best movie of this year? Like, do you agree uh, with Slumdog Millionaire? Do you think that Dark Knight should have won? Do you think it's a curious case of Benjamin Button, Milk, The Reader? Um, do we think that Dark Knight should have won the best picture that year, essentially, is my question. That's a good question. For I me, mean, it would be I'll... between Dark Knight and Wally, to be honest. So the two that should have been in it... question, but yes. yeah, okay. Yeah, that didn't get on it. Wally was such a deep movie. I yeah. fuck, you know, for being an animated movie. <laughs> yeah. Um for that not to even be on a knob is crazy. Right. Yeah, it's been so long, man. I still think yeah, I think about Wally. 
you know, at least once a week, uh, but in, in ways where it's, I'm living my life and I think about something in Wally. Mm. Um, it's, it's informing my, it's, it's, it's informing my view of the world. Um, well, that, that, that's perfect the way you just said that because like it was so deep. It's resonated with you, what, 13 years later that you're still yeah. thinking about the message that that movie was trying to send. And that wasn't even a, how many times can you sit there and say you thought about some dog millionaire? Yeah, definitely. I can't, you know? Exactly. But the message Wally sent you is resonating so many years later. And it's weird that that wasn't even on the ballot. Yeah, you've you've got me thinking now. I, I'm because so I'm looking at a list of movies from 2008, and there are great ones. I mean, In Bruges is fucking amazing. Oh man, um, uh, yeah. you know it's easy to forget. Iron Man came out a month and a half before Dark Knight, I think, like a month or two. Um, wow. And then um, uh, the Wrestler. I mean, oh, that's an incredible God. movie. Yeah. But uh, but I don't know. I, those are those are the movies that I. I still like will rewatch. I still think about, you know, I think let the right one in was that year too. That's a great movie. Not American, but still. I haven't seen that. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. Also my, my last point, on like the Oscars, what you're saying, Jack, about um, Harvey Weinstein going to a nursing home. I don't want to hate on like, like older people, but you're in a nursing home. Why do you have the ability to vote on these movies coming out this year? That's why, yeah, why that's the problem. don't you, why don't we revote every couple of years to whoever's in the Oscar team, you know, that decides yeah. these? Why are we letting a 85-year-old man that you can't know, even make it to the movie? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. right. But right. he's voting which movie he gets in or not. Um, yeah, that's it's a huge problem. Yep. Agreed. Um, and also, uh, last thing about the, the Oscars that year is that Danny Boyle won Best Director for Slumdog Millionaire over David Fincher for Curious Case of Benjamin Button, which is a movie I absolutely love, by the way. Um, it's kind of it's a controversial uh, David Fincher movie, but yeah, I absolutely love that one. Uh, Ron Howard and Frost Nixon, uh, Stephen Daldry for The Reader, and Gus Van Sant for Milk. Um, do we think that Christopher Nolan should have won over Danny Boyle for Slumdog Millionaire, or do you think that one of these other guys should have won? Anyone can. I mean, Frost Nixon's a great movie. Milk is a great movie. Um, they're all, yeah, they're all really good. Again, I haven't seen the reading. Yeah. These are great movies. This is a, it's a good year. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I'm biased. I'd probably go for Nolan over them. I just don't know. Like, he had the most electric performance of the decade, maybe with, with Ledger, you know. Um, you know, he did really innovative things with IMAX cameras. I mean, that's easy to forget, too. This was one of the first movies that had a significant portion of it filmed on IMAX cameras. Right. You know, um, now it's, you know, much more common. But that was that was huge at the time. I mean, the if you get the, the Blu-ray or the, the 4K Blu-ray for it, it still can be the uh, color balance on your TV for white and black. So if you put on that opening sequence and you get like a pure white or a pure black, you can level the colors on your TV according to The Dark Knight. Like, that's how good it looks. But... Um, yeah, I'm looking at, uh, personally, I would go, I would go with Nolan. I mean, the, mm -hmm. like the second after I saw it, maybe a lot of the hype around the movie beforehand had a lot to do with it. But the second after I saw it, I was like, that is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Like that was, that was really fucking good. Um, I would probably, agree with him. um, all right. So fuck the Oscars talk then. Um,
That's more like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I have another question here um, for you guys. Uh, is this the greatest comic book movie of all time? I don't know if anyone wants to to jump in on that. Say yes or no. Give a reason why. Give another movie, maybe a, a, another movie that you might want to throw in for an argument. I don't know, Chad. What do you think? Uh, I feel like it's one of the more realistic comic book movies. It really takes um, the Batman character. Really, it really puts him as like a real human. You know, all he is is a, a billionaire, and he wants to do justice. You know, so he doesn't really. It's not really anything he does, or the way he acts, or what he does isn't out of the realm of normalcy. You know, you could see that if, like, say, Elon Musk, instead of going to space, wanted to be Batman. I could see Elon Musk doing exactly what this Batman actually did and have the ability to do that, opposed to other comic book characters, you know, uh, Iron Man. That's a little, that's not realistic at the time right now. Um, that was a great film. I liked all that. I'm big Marvel guy, but. Um, I really think they nailed this Batman character and this, and this Batman story so to I, a T of being realistic. I completely agree with you in the fact that it's it's way more realistic than any of the Marvel movies. But does that is that what puts it over the top for you in making it like the the greatest comic book movie? Because just because a movie is not realistic doesn't necessarily mean it's a worse movie than you know what I mean. Oh, no, no, definitely fair to say. Um, yeah. I, I might not even put this at the best comic book movie. Um, I'm hard-pressed to say what else. I'm a big uh, Winter Soldier fan. I have that on my um, list. I love bow, like, bow, bow. One of my favorites. <laughs> um, but this is up there. You know, this is probably two for me of comic book movies. And there's also, <laughs> what, 30, 40 of them now? So, you know, it's, it's hard to really locked down one that is the best yeah i had i had a little list on here of my favorite i i think it's the best comic book movie made but i have infinity war endgame uh winter soldier is probably my number two i don't know why like me and you have talked about that one chat i don't know why i love maybe it's the villain maybe like i don't know i i love that movie um and i have batman begins and the dark knight rises on here too um but i don't know if you uh bill or, or jack wanted to weigh in if you had a an opinion on that because I know oh, what you go. I know you're a big Marvel guy, but do you? Yeah, do you think that this is the uh, this is better than all the Marvel movies, or do you have one in mind that's better? Um. So I've recently been rewatching a lot of like the Spider Mans, oh. the Batman's, the X Men's, um, the non Marvel films, and I've really been feeling like I'm an idiot for not putting Spider Man Two in there. By the way, fuck me. Something about Marvel, which is the best thing that's ever happened in my life ever. <laughs> it it's it has robbed these films I used to be able to see. With um, I feel like when I watched Spider Man Two again, Marvel was fucking it up for me um, because I was like, it's now my brain doesn't know how to understand. Like this is a film in and of itself without any like ties to other characters, arcs, um, you know, thematic um, or, or deep-seated uh, uh, developments. And 
The Dark Knight has been the only one that has overcome that for me. Um, and I think that speaks to its strengths as an individual film. Um, to that point, I would say this. I, all of Marvel's movies have the rest of their movies to like to to rest on and like and, and lean up against. So if we're talking about an actual film, this this has to be like Endgame wouldn't be as good without the twenty films that came before it. But the Dark Knight—that's a good point. You can start it and have not seen anything. My little sister, she she came up like a quarter of the way through the movie, and she was on the edge of her seat. Um, you know, not because she grew up with the character for twenty years, and then he snaps his gauntlet and. You know, it's it's just it's just good screenwriting in and of itself. Um, so that's good, that's a good point, Bill. There might not uh, be anything better as long know. as you know who Batman is. Just like the name itself, you can dive into this movie and not need any other lore. You just understand Batman's a superhero. You know, besides well, that, you don't need any other information. And then you watch this movie, and <clears throat> you can completely follow it and complete be completely like right in there with it on the edge of your seat like you said about your sister that's actually an interesting point though because batman has been in culture a lot longer than say the avengers characters right so you have this weird thing where like yes you can come into a batman movie and everybody knows there's batman alfred bat cave bat suit bat gadgets and joker right like most people are going to know that because they've done that a lot like batman 67 Joker's in that, you know, uh, yeah. Michael Keaton, Batman, Joker's in that. So there's a lot of animated series. Like Batman's always been a big thing. Like the ba- Batman 89, I think was, I th- I'm pretty sure it was the biggest movie of all time when it first came out. It was a huge blockbuster. I think it was maybe the biggest one since Jaws when that came out. So the argument that Endgame is only good because of the previous movies, well, yeah. But I think that there's contextual stuff that we innately have about Batman because he's been in the culture for so long that works the exact same way. I, I, fair I, enough. Fair, no, it's, 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 a really good, it's a really good point. You, no film exists in a vacuum, right? Like we all sure. bring our own cultural... Uh, <laughs> we, under, we know language because we were taught language and they're using English, so we get it. Um, sure. Anyways. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Is, is this the best comic book movie of all time? I, it's a difficult question to answer. You know, the top ones, it, the ones I think of every time are, are, are always going to be Dark Knight, Logan, and um, Endgame. Because they're all just like perfect Fuck, I forgot products of what they are. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, but like Logan is as perfect as it gets for that character, I think. Um, Endgame is a fucking masterpiece. Like, it was still is awesome it's just great but again you need 28 hours of previous footage for that to really land movie still kind of works fully hit, you, yeah right, yeah right movie still kind of works if you haven't seen it but like it means so much more right with the serialized yeah approach. but you but they couldn't just drop endgame as a no. solo movie period no, but, just like here, here here's no, of course not but you know? credit to them for having you know like the, uh, like all the time and planning and all these movies that worked so well because there's so many good movies in the Marvel universe and then for them mm-hmm. to bring that all together and for all the, to culminate so beautifully and perfect mm-hmm. it's just you got to give credit to that you know regardless yeah. you know but again we're talking oh about- absolutely 
but yeah, I, I don't know, man. I Dark Knight probably is my, it's, it's probably my favorite. I, I would say, I think I could say it is, I think it is the best comic book movie for, for the reasons that these guys stated, you know, for the ability to be able to just sit down and watch this movie and it works for the way that it works within this trilogy. I think Nolan made a movie. It's a post nine 11 film about the Patriot act and it's a fucking Batman movie. That's incredible. Like, that's ridiculous you know there are references <laughs> to soldiers in iraq in this movie and it works like it is a timely film it will I, I think it it won't age poorly because it has just enough technology where maybe at some point some of the stuff will look a little hokey you know that's going to happen you can't really avoid that but i think the themes of the film the the journeys that these characters go on the way it's made the innovation, I think that's always going to stand up as, you know, uh, uh, just an incredible feat of storytelling. And the fact that you brought up Winter Soldier is interesting because Winter Soldier essentially is Joker in that movie. He's very similar. He, he has a similar style. He's an agent of chaos in the middle of the film, right? When he shows up, he's being controlled. It's a different character. I'm not saying it's the same thing, but it's very Joker influenced, you know, Um so yeah. yeah, I think you I think you made a good point there too. At the comic book movies, I quote this movie more than any other movie in my day to day. I quoted it so earlier. I was, I was talking to my uh, fiance, and she, she was saying something, and I was like, "What makes you think I want to hear you talk?" You know, Maroni. Um, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, so if we're if we're gonna move on from that. Um, let's. I, I want to talk the Joker a little bit, obviously, because we we can't go through this podcast without talking about Heath and Link. Um, I guess my first question is: Is there anyone here who wants to argue that this isn't the greatest Joker performance of all time? Nope. Not me. How do we feel about Joaquin's Joker? I loved the movie. Um. I, I, I loved watching it. I've watched it a few times. I thought he was great. I thought it worked fine. I left the theater thinking that it was a really good movie. I thought he was really good, but I haven't gone back to it since. Mm. I haven't gone to rewatch it. I remember really liking it, but I haven't gone back to it. I don't, I don't think it's a great movie. I, I think it's a little too... Um, it's, I mean, it's Taxi Driver. It's the King of Con like it's it's a Scorsese thing. He's trying to do as much Scorsese as possible, and that's fine. I think it works. I think the performance carries the movie. Um, oh, for sure. It's got a few great moments in it. I yeah, I throw it on once in a while. I certainly don't think about it in terms of Batman, though. I guess that's the one thing that's kind of odd. Like it's called Joker. It's in Gotham. Doesn't feel like anything tied to Batman whatsoever to me. It just feels like this is kind of a cool. Elseworlds story, like the comic books, you know? Which I guess they haven't really done. Like, that's the first mm -hmm. time that anyone's done it, and the fact that Joaquin was the main thing behind it, driving that was definitely really helpful. Yep. Um, so, yeah, none of you guys are going to argue that, I'm assuming. Yeah. No, definitely what? not. It was, yeah. it's kind of, well, it's also kind of like the Dark Knight. It's a realistic take on that character, you know, like in a real world setting. Um, I think Walking Phoenix did a great job. I enjoyed the film. You know, not not my my favorite, um, but they really made it, it's more of coming down to like being real and like uh, like a normal person kind of thing. 
um, which I enjoyed that they did. But, you know, um, he's a Joker was more accurate to all, you know, all material that Joker is, uh, books, other movies. Uh, this was just kind of like a standalone set off piece, but I think it was, it was done well. Um, one, one thing we didn't mention earlier about one of the things that this movie gets right, I feel like is important. A lot of people don't think about, but it's the scope. So uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League just came out, right? Now, for me, I love Batman, but I tap the fuck out when it's Batman fighting gods and other planets and shit. I don't care. Yeah, it, It's just, it I'm doesn't make sense. with you on that. None yeah. of that hit home with me when I was watching the Snyder cut. Yeah. I, um, agreed. Doesn't make any sense to me. I don't ever want to see... Personally, this, I know Justice League is an established thing. I just never want to see Batman fighting alongside the Justice League. The best Justice League stories are when Batman doesn't trust the other team members and like the, you know there are implications to that because it gets to that like moral and philosophical stuff that makes Batman interesting. But they, they even movie, joke about that like in in the movie. Like someone asked him like right. what's your superpower? He's like I'm a billionaire. Or, like I'm a million yeah. whatever. Which is, which is great, <laughs> but yeah, it's in the flash ass and he's like so what's your superpower? And he's like yeah. I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I hated I really hated like, that well, line. What? I felt I felt like it missed the entire Right. Yeah. But um but this movie no, I agree with you Bill for sure. I yeah. didn't like that line. Yeah. But um but this movie all three movies everything comes out of Bruce Wayne and his struggle and his um his character flaws that create everything around him you know like a great great point actually bill we were talking about this recently so harvey dent's coin in the movie right it's a double-sided coin bruce wayne never finds that out so the way that the thing with the coin works is he catches the coin right and then he drops it when when harvey dent is is like torturing the guy he never finds out it's a double-sided coin rachel dawes does and then she dies with one of the coins. And later he's got the one he's got the side scratched out on. So the whole really interesting, fascinating thing with Batman is that he's kind of a product of his environment, right? So like he won't kill any criminals. So they're always going to be around and people are going to die because of that. And he has to deal with that. It's a moral issue. It's a complicated one. You know, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you from the first movie. Like it doesn't, it's difficult. It's a, it's a gray area, right? So the thing with the coins, interesting. Because it suggests that Harvey Dent actually was the savior of Gotham and that Bruce Wayne may have fucked that up. Like he may be, he may have not realized the lesson that Harvey Dent was trying to teach him. And because of that, he fails Harvey Dent and his family eventually. And that's everything that comes out of that is it's core to like what Bruce Wayne thinks his ideals are and how they're flawed. And that makes it even more complex and interesting of a story at the end of the day. Oh, kind of God. extends the rewatch value. That's so heavy. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's good shit, man. Yeah, yeah. Last night, that was my first question to Jack. Uh, the first time I noticed that, like, before he becomes Two Face, the coin, the coin is two faces. It's 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 heads either time, right? And I was like, what does that mean? Um, and and yeah, Jack was like, he's not. It, it, he he's using it as a bluff thing. He's right. not going to kill. He's not going to kill the guy either way. He makes his uh, own he luck. He wants the guy to think. He makes his own luck. That's what that means. Right. Yeah, my thing with the coin, um, he kind of tosses it and you know flips it on his hands, depending on the character. 
um, did Joker was the first person he did with the, the double sided, actual double sided coin, which we don't even see land. You know, we don't know what the answer is by the coin. Right. Obviously, moving forward, we do. But when he goes to Wirt's uh, character in the bar, he spins it on the table and that lands. And then the third person is Maroni and he does a coin flip, catches it, and then he flips it on his hand. He does that again for the driver. And then um, does the same thing for Ramirez, who is the fourth character to get the coin flip from Harvey Dent. But then at the end, him, Batman, Gordon, the Batman flip, he just catches it in his hand, which is shoot Batman. But if he did what he was doing before and flipped it, Batman wouldn't get shot. He wouldn't kill Batman. And then also with himself, he flips the coin, you know, it's heads up. If he flipped it, he would have to shoot himself. So there's kind of uh, there's no uh, like straight and arrow story with him flipping that coin of how he does it and determines because he could have just said, oh, well, I caught it and now I shoot Batman. But if he flipped it, you know, he doesn't. So like, I think he it's kind of erratic in a sense mm. with that coin. No, I don't, it's, not, I don't, it's just not the same every time. Right. Yeah, I guess I, I didn't think about that. That's a good point, too. Um, I wanted to just talk one more thing about the Joker real quick um, and ask, where do you rank this among, like, your greatest acting performances of all time? Because I, I have, like, it's up, like, for me, it's up there. Like, it, it's really high up there. I have, like, Al Pacino in Godfather Part Two, Daniel Day-Lewis in There Will Be Blood, um, De Niro and Taxi Driver Javier Barnum in No Country but like he's somewhere in the middle there I think Daniel Day and There Will Be Blood is like that the top for me um, along with that like him and Al Pacino and Godfather Part 2 are, are right there but I don't know if, if you guys have any opinion on like is this maybe one of your favorite performances of all time or like is he not really in that top five or, or what I mean, he's definitely he's definitely one of my favorites. Making a list would be tough, you know. I mean, the, the first things that are coming to mind are actually like genre movies. So, like Ian McKellen is Gandalf is incredible. Like, yeah, I know Bill, you're down with that, but like, it's, it's just like that's an. It's just like you couldn't have done better. Like, there's nobody who could have could have done that better. It's absolutely perfect, you know. Um, that's fair. I mean, it's, it's tough to be put on the spot and think about that. I had a little time. Like, I, I, I sure. Like, you know, I, I thought about a couple movies like for a little bit while I was watching this movie and I was like, oh, what would like, where would I rank him? So I had a little time, but I guess, you know, if you guys think, had any ones in your head that you wanted to say before that or if you wanted to rank him somewhere. Go ahead, Jeff. I mean, I think I think the best thing I could say about it is that it's, it's one of the greatest villain performances ever. It just is. You know, it's it's right there. Hannibal Lecter, Darth Vader, Nurse Ratchet. Like it's right there. It's it's that good. And it's 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 so good for so many reasons, but also I just remember in the lead up to it before he died, Heath Ledger's Joker, like how the, how, you know, Nicholson did it. Mark Hamill's amazing too. Actually, I will say caveat to the Heath Ledger thing. Mark Hamill's an incredible Joker. Absolutely fucking incredible. Um, but like, how, how would that work? And then the way that it came out and his approach to it and like what he did was so much different than the other ones that we had seen up to that point. Mm -hmm. 
it's it's just interesting because now we have an example of that going really well, and then with Jared Leto just going really fucking poorly, you know, <laughs> making some bad choices and having no motivation for your em- fucking character. Embarrassing, um, bad. <laughs> for me, I'm, I'm not a fan, but you know. Yeah, um, no, I, but, I hear you. Neither am I. But yeah, I mean, it's great. It's a great performance. Uh, he definitely, he definitely crushed that performance. It was one of my favorites of his. Um, for sure, and then definitely in my top three of actors nailing a role. Like I can't think of a Joker off the top of my head without it being Heath Ledger. The first thing I think about. Um, and he just did an amazing job. Really dove into that that character. Put on did his own makeup, which got approved by Nolan because he was just like, well, that's what the Joker would do, you know. I'm going to go buy stuff in the corner, you know, at the Walgreens, get makeup and put it on. And it was, it was awesome. He did a great job. Yeah, for sure. Uh, le- legendary performance. Um, so if we're going to move on here, uh, I do this little segment called random facts, which I basically just go on the IMDb page of uh, the movie. And I look at the trivia. Um, it's basically like a bunch of random facts in there. So I'm going to throw a couple of these out there for you. Um, in preparation for his role as the Joker, Heath Ledger hid away in a motel room for about six weeks. Uh, during this extended stay of seclusion, Ledger delved deep into psychology of the character. He devoted himself to developing the Joker's every tick, uh, namely the voice and the sadistic sounding laugh. Um, Ledger's interpretation of the Joker's appearance was primarily based on the chaotic, uh, disheveled look of punk rocker Sid Vicious combined with the psychotic mannerisms of Malcolm McDowell's character, Alex Dillard from A Clockwork Orange, which I thought... So, so before you go further, there's actually one... There's a third piece of that puzzle that I don't know if you're aware of or not. Probably but, not, so, so hit me with it. Okay, so the Sid Vicious <laughs> thing is there. The, um, you know, the Malcolm McDowell thing is there. The big influence, and if you like, I can send you a link after this, is tom waits so tom waits his mannerisms and his like physicality in particular this one performance that he had of a song called chocolate jesus from like the 70s it if you watched it it is exactly heath ledger in in this movie it's the it's the mannerisms it's the voice like when you see tom waits performing that song and kind of like hunched over a little bit moving around like this tom waits a little lower you know a little bit more like that but it's it's the same it's it's an exact mimic of that. It's not a bad thing. It's it's you know one piece of his process or whatever, and it's right. phenomenal. But that never comes up on the IMDb trivia. But I'm telling you, I'll, I'll send you the link afterwards. You'll see it, and you'll be like, "Holy, this is Joker!" Like it's literally Joker. So, That's wild, man. It's perfect for this segment. Random facts. People don't know that kind of shit. It's awesome. Um, so the next one I have here is Aaron Eckhart spoke about a unique experience he had with Heath Ledger during the hospital scene. Uh, he said that before lines were exchanged, Ledger. Uh, would just walk around the room in character mumbling to himself in an odd manner. Um, all Eckhart could do at the time was just watch him while still in character. This went on for several minutes until Ledger got close to him. Uh, Eckhart felt compelled at this point to fiercely raise his hand up. Immediately, Ledger grabbed Eckhart's uh, raised hand in an equally matched fierce manner. When the scene was over, Ledger now out of character told Eckhart that's what acting's all about. I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Um, yeah. 
when it was announced. Oh, this one I put in here for you, Bill, because I know you're a big fan of this guy. Uh, when it was announced that the Joker would be the main antagonist of this movie, uh, it was rumored that Paul Bettany would be playing the part. Um, I never, I don't remember hearing that, but that's, I thought that was pretty cool. Paul Bettany was going to play the part of the Joker. Yeah. It's uh, that's what it said on here again, who knows how exactly true this is, but when it was announced that the Joker would be the main, uh, antagonist in the movie, it was rumored that Paul Bettany would be playing the part. That's what it said. I was reading, uh, I was reading yesterday. Um, Heath Ledger was approached to be Batman in Batman Begins. Oh yes. Uh, and he turned out, he ended up turning down the part. I think but it's once him and Batman Nolan both became, agreed that they weren't once that he it came out. Uh, he thought he was just like, I need to be in your next movie. And Nolan's like, Yeah, of course. And then when the Joker came up of being the, the villain, Nolan's just like, Yeah, he thought it, period. He was like the first pick, is what I read. Yeah. Um I actually I read that I read that somewhere too. Um this next one is while filming the chase scene with the Joker and the SWAT bands, uh, one of only four IMAX cameras in the world at that time was destroyed. So I know you brought that up earlier about this. Oh. It's like IMAX uh, film movie or with the cameras. Yeah. One of four at that time destroyed during that scene. Pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous. Um, this was the first comic book movie to reach the 1 billion mark worldwide. Rightfully so. Um, this is a cool one too. The character of Reese is an allusion to the Riddler who attempted to reveal the identity of Batman, much like Edward Nigma, whose name sounded like Enigma. Um, Mr. Reese sounds like mysteries. Pretty cool. Uh... <laughs> um, the next one is, uh, this is the first Batman movie where the, uh, Batman operates outside of Gotham. That's kind of cool, I guess. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're referring to when he goes and gets Lau. Uh, even though Christopher Nolan offered uh, her the part, Katie Holmes decided not to reprise her role as Rachel Dawes. Instead, she opted to co-star with Diane Keaton and Queen Latifah in Mad Money. Oh. So sick wrong film. move on her part. Dude, sick, <laughs> sick film. Sick film. <laughs> um. So that's that's all I got for the random facts. How do we feel about um, Maggie Gyllenhaal? Uh, Better replacing Katie Holmes. Better. Better. I, I don't. I, I. My biggest problem in Batman Begins is Katie Holmes. She feels like Bruce Wayne's aunt every time she's on screen. You know, some of us have work to do. It's like really. <laughs> Our, <laughs> I'm not going to sleep with you. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Horribly written. Maybe it's the script. I don't know, but I, I really hate her in that movie. Um, yeah, I definitely think it's an improvement. Like Maggie Gyllenhaal was an improvement. I don't know if she was the best choice. I can't think of anyone else. I don't, I don't like, she's not, I guess maybe there's, maybe there's so many other like big, great roles in this movie that she just doesn't stand out a lot to me in this. So I don't know. Um, all right, so that's it for random facts. Let's uh, can I give you one more? Oh, yeah, it? yeah, if you got some, sure, fire away. So, I don't know if the Justice League cuts fuck this up or not. I honestly can't remember because I can't stand watching either of those movies more than once. But this 
up until a certain point was the only Batman movie that didn't feature a bat in it. Interesting. I just can't remember if there are bats in either cut of Justice League. I, I have the I, I can't remember. Well, he was driving the Mercy Alonso, yeah, that... which is bat in Spanish. So, ah, good this call. guy. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say there definitely wasn't the Snyder cut because I recently watched that and I oh, fuck. I don't know about the other like one. Like legit, yeah. actively, it's like flying bats on screen for whatever reason they might be there. Is what you're saying? Yeah. 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 yeah I don't think that it was in Justice League either cut. Um. Do you guys have a favorite scene from this movie? Is there one that you want to specifically talk about? Is there uh do, do you have a, an overall favorite? Yeah, I mean I it's got to be the, the the everything about the interrogation scene and it's then the, the fallout from it. Yeah. Um obviously that scene is the you know it's it's like in Heat with De Niro and Pacino. It's the same kind of scene. It's just like you've got the two best characters in the movie, they come together, they have a they have a, a scene, you know, a, a philosophical meeting of the minds, right? Um, mm-hmm. You kind of see what Joker is about. And I don't want to kill you, all that stuff. What would I do without you? Like, incredible. And then right afterwards, when when Joker's staring at the sergeant, he's just like, you know, I, I know your friends better than you ever did. You want to know which ones were cowards? You know, it's, it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, that guy's, I like that guy's acting. Yeah. When he's like but standing at the door, the and his arms. Yeah, he's his yeah. arms crossed, and he's like rolling his neck. Yeah, like I deal with guys like you all the time. Um, yeah, to me, that I I completely agree on the interrogation scene. I think it's kind of a no brainer. Um, I think that, like to me, this is where he submitted himself in the conversation for like this is one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. Um, everything about that scene, he just he absolutely killed. You know, Bale was great, um, and then everything like. You know the story surrounding it is just amazing. So, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more on that. Um, is there any other scene that you guys have that might be a favorite, like off the top of your head, Chad? I don't know if you have one, Bill. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the the kitchen scene with all the mobsters. You know, oh, they're all uh, they're all uh, sitting down talking yeah. aloud about how you know police found their money about the raid raid them, and then it's the first time they we really fully get introduced to who the Joker is and his character. Um, and he just walks in laughing. And uh, the one character, Gamble, is like, why well, shouldn't I have my boy rip your head off right now? Why, why yeah. shouldn't we just instantly kill you? You just stole $68 million of ours. And um, it's really the first time you see how like sadistic the Joker is in this. He's just laughing and then let me uh, let me show you a magic trick, right? You know, slams a dude head down on a pencil, and then he says, "Wow, he's like, I know stitches, and he's one." And couple... our real problem is Batman. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 you're good. I was just, I just wanted to say, there's a couple things about that scene specifically that I remember because, um, and I'm sure you guys probably remember this too because in the theater, the midnight showing, the first showing of this movie, there was a couple scenes that I like vividly remember, and it's the first scene where the Joker, like the opening scene where he takes off his mask and reveals himself that the crowd was going so wild that you couldn't even hear him say stranger at the end of that scene. Like, you know, he's whatever doesn't kill you makes you stranger because the crowd was just going crazy. And then it was the same thing when he walked in during that scene. And on top of that, when he 
put the guy's head down on the pencil. So you couldn't hear any of the dialogue going on because the theater experience, everybody was so hyped during those scenes that it just kind of got, it got really, uh, it got really loud. Um, I just, I, I remember that very vividly. Uh, that, and I want to bring up, I called it the Joker's home video scene. It's not obviously like the interrogation scene is my favorite, but I, this, I, this was going to be my, this was going to be my favorite scene. Was it? Uh, yeah, uh, and only this time around, man. But like, dude, that that there are many things. Sorry to interrupt. I, I was excited. No, go ahead. Just, go right in there, dude. My, I think my favorite moment of the film, and it's very like, it's very quick. But Jack and I always talk about like, what are superhero films for? Um, what are heroes for? And like, dude, the last shot of captain america one when it's like you see this little kid running down the streets of of brooklyn and he has like this um garbage can lid with the captain america shield on it it's in slow motion i don't know if you remember but dude i just i love little moments that that show like normal people who 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 believe in heroes and who who have like who have decided to rise up above their normal lives to like believe in something or, or to make a stand. Um, but like the guy in the video, when he's just like, no, he like, he's a symbol. He's a symbol. It means we don't have to be afraid of people like you. Um, oh, that gave me a lot of chills when I was watching it. I agree. Yeah. I, and that's, that's why I kind of put it in there. Cause I felt the same way. And I, I haven't rewatched this in, in quite a while, but that was just one of the scenes that really stuck out. And it was, it's what you said about, about that guy specifically, but it's also like, it was, it was like scary, you know, like it was genuinely scary. Like when he, when he, uh, he shouts at him. Like, yeah, dude, look at me. That's, that's, know? that's the, like, look at me. for the second, yeah. for yeah, the second point, like it's, it's also the first time that you see the, um, the demon, inside of the joker like come out for a second and it makes the camera like vibrate and that's the first time that you're really afraid of him yes completely oh another random fact um heath ledger actually wrote and directed both those tapes that the joker records Mm. he wanted to do it and no one said go for it so the first scene with that guy pretending to be the batman that was the first first one that Heath wrote and directed. And then Nolan after that was just like, yeah, the next one, absolutely all you wasn't even on set and didn't even put any input into it. But Heath wanted to do that because that was, you know, really diving into the Joker, like you just said, Bill. Really the first time you get scared because you literally see how psychotic he is. And at the end of that, he obviously kills that, that guy. So it's really deep. Um, yeah, there's another what was the other scene I wanted to bring up? oh okay so there was one thing I wanted to kind of nitpick on here um, I have a couple gripes about this scene and maybe I'm being too nitpicky but the jump scene right where he, he does that like skydive out of the, out of the thing um, he really effortlessly hit the shot with those fucking putty uh whatever it was like the putty that that explodes 
Yeah, those like, like how many fucking bombs. windows do you think are on that skyscraper? He hit like the right window, and on top of that, he dove like perfectly into the right window. Like, I mean, again, I know it's a movie. Like, it doesn't bother me that much so, it's because I've seen <clears throat> the movie a million times that it's kind of like. Well, it also bothers me that he's jumping off the same building he's going into. Is he jumping? Is it the same one that he's going into? No, that doesn't make any sense. Well, not for the movie, but if you look at the building he's standing on before he jumps, it's the exact building that he's shooting those bombs at and then glides into. Same style. The big. Oh, that would make even less sense if that's actually true. But, Jack, it looked like you had something to say about... I just feel like if we're going to start nitpicking the aim <laughs> of, of, of Batman in the same movie where, you know... There's a guy dressed in a bat suit and he's able to fly through. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to give him that one. Yeah, it was just one of those things that on every rewatch I just kind of look at and I'm like, motherfucker, there's like a million windows there and you just nailed that one and then you were able Dude, to. He's got off. bat radar. He's got bat radar in the mask. All right. Uh, you know, give the man a little credit. All right. Radar. Fair enough. I just, I wanted to make that known. Um, he also <laughs> does all of that in like, what was it, 90 seconds? He sure, jumps. two and a half minutes. Oh, it's two and a half. Okay, I thought it might. Yeah, but actually, from the second he shoots those to when they go off, realistically in the movie, it's two and a half minutes long. That scene. Okay. All right. They, they obviously did that specifically for for that, but it's a little side note. Um, fair enough. And is there? Uh, I kind of want to talk about that final standoff with Two Face, Batman, and Gordon. Is there like another scene that you guys have in mind? I know Billy, you said the you said one already. Um, Jackson, the interrogation. Is there anything you want to talk about? Another scene, maybe specifically, anyone? Or is um, there- so the the hospital scene, Joker and Harvey Dent is pretty intense. Obviously, it's the first time they've actually met. Um, and then Harvey Dent only knows that. Possibly the Joker killed Rachel, you know, love his life. And then the Joker's like, no, it wasn't me, dude. You know, I was locked up. You know, I'm just, you know, I, I'm a dog chasing a car. Wouldn't know what I would do if I caught it. And then the agent of chaos uh, line, that, that was awesome. Um, I think that was a great scene. That scene is definitely awesome. Because, again, I love uh, Harvey Dent's character. There's a couple things about that scene that I... Uh, have just either seen like things online about or read like uh, read a quick thing about is when he lets Dent hold the gun to his face or his head and make the decision. He actually has his hand or his finger on the hammer or in between the hammer and where it would close so that even if Dent did pull the trigger, like if he did flip the coin and, and decide that he was going to kill him, that he couldn't actually pull the trigger. Really? Yeah. So yeah, if you that's look closely, that's interesting. Um, I didn't notice that until I saw like some online meme about it or something like that. But then you look and it, he actually does has have his finger in between. That. that makes the Joker like far less scary, kind of, for me. Like he doesn't. Yeah, that changes the scene for me. Yeah, it might. I mean, depend. Yeah, if, if you look at it like, oh, he's not actually gonna die. Like he doesn't actually think he's gonna die here. You know, like there's there's a real chance that he could unless. I don't know. Well, the, thematically though, he's essentially doing the exact same thing that Harvey Dent was doing with the coin, though, which kind of makes it interesting. Right, like he's rigging right. the game. Right, right, playing. right. But like, but yeah. make your but own. We, but we always thought the Joker didn't give a shit about. Like, the, what made the Joker truly scary 
was that he didn't he never care i mean that's the that's the truck scene right it's like well but i would argue that that's i would argue that that's what he says but that's not what he does joker's the most calculating person probably in the entire batman trilogy if you think about it he is absolutely not an agent of chaos he claims he is but he's not he's an agent of chaos in relation to his opposition with batman but really his plan is executed flawlessly he does exactly what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it throughout the whole movie. All the way, you could argue, to the end. I mean, he did so, say whether you admit that he failed or not by getting caught, he did have his ace in the hole in hmm. Harvey Dent. So, right. It's, it's yeah, the Zemo thing in Civil popular. War, you know. Um, and then the other thing about that scene is, uh, I can't remember where I read this, but when when uh, the Joker's walking away and pressing the button to blow the, the hospital up, that it actually was supposed to go off on the first try, but he kept pressing the button. He just he, he kept acting through that. Like he kept pressing the button and it wasn't going off and then it finally exploded and he kind of like jumped because he didn't expect it. Um, so that was like it, it wasn't planned like that, but no one kept shooting and he kept he kept acting and it just worked out. Which I thought was just one of those really cool things. Yeah. Um, only other very favorite cool. scene that I would mention is yeah. um, one thing that this movie has that all the great, for me, all the great comic book movies have. Something Bill and I have talked extensively about, but you got to end the movie on the money shot, right? Like in the Spider-Man movies, money shot. One, one of the one of the biggest fucking mistakes of Spider-Man Three, okay, is that it does not end with Spider-Man swinging through the city. That movie, I don't like Spider-Man 3 at all, but that, like, you got to have that shot at the end of the movie. I'm sorry. Like, that's what I'm there for. I need that in right. those Spider-Man movies. <laughs> if you don't give me that, I'm going to leave the theater pissed off, right? So this movie, the last two minutes are fucking fantastic. Like, you know, Gordon, uh, why are we going to hunt him? Because he can take it. <laughs> all time. All time. Yeah. All time, dude. Yeah. The best. I uh, completely agree about that. Yeah, that final standoff is just amazing. When like that's another thing that I remember. I think I saw this in theaters like four or five times, something like that. And that like I remember that scene so specifically because everything coming together at the end and and Harvey, um, you know, the, the, the whole the whole standoff in general. Um, I have a question about. Um, uh, about the the final decision on on what what they do there, uh, the Joker was right, but Batman still won't let him win. Um, about Harvey, right? So was it right to lie to the public about like what what they did there? About you know have having Bat was that like the right decision in the long run for them to for them to do that? Well, I think the third movie proves no. So. Kind of, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I, I was going off like just this, like whether you thought morally it was right or like, you know, if it, if it's really what Batman stands for, that that's the, <clears throat> probably like the great, the great question of like anyone who who like looked to govern groups of people. <laughs> it seems it seems like fascinatingly uh, unanswerable. Um, I mean, you're probably right. I guess I just wanted some opinions. Well, it's a little weird because when uh, Batman throws the Joker off the building, catches him, pulls him up, and they have their conversation, the Joker just looks at him and goes, you are truly incorruptible. Right. 
But that ending of this movie, that's kind of being corrupt now, lying to the public. I guess it's you are standing for justice, but at the end of the day, you're still you're still doing a wrong that hurts in the long run. Well, he calls him incorruptible before he says Ace in the Hole mines Harvey. So I think maybe that changes changes him a little bit, right? For sure. And actually Christian Bale's face and like the Batman's character was completely yeah. baffled by off. that statement. Yeah. You, right. you, you see it like, he's just like, What do you mean? <laughs> he's what like, Fuck. <laughs> he's like, right. Oh shit. Um what was the other uh Oh, uh, on the topic of, uh, you know, Jack brought up The Dark Knight Rises and how it kind of answers that question, and you're absolutely right. Uh, it wasn't the right decision. But um, how do we imagine The Dark Knight Rises if Heath is still alive? Like, well, the, I heard... The, the, I read the Joker that he was, was supposed to be in it. He was supposed to be a big part of that movie originally. Yeah. So, like, I like The Dark Knight Rises. Obviously, it's not on the level of The Dark Knight um, I don't know if you guys had to pay. Like, I, I think it. Yeah. Cha- I think it changes the Dark Knight Rises completely. It, like, imagine yeah. what him and it's Tom a completely Hardy different did. movie. I, I, I think yeah. of, like that cast with Tom Hardy as Bane. If you still bring Bane in and you have that going on, you somehow like tie a Joker story into that. Like, holy fucking shit! I, I, I think it would have been so cool. That would have been amazing to have them both on screen with both their Bane and the Joker. Like, yeah. oh my god. I imagine that's what that's what Nolan had in mind, right? Like, I I mean, I don't know. Well, I I I had heard, and I you know, I don't have a source for this, so I may have just seen it in a forum post somewhere. But I always thought that the idea would be that Joker would be a a uh, not a Heath Ledger type, obviously, um, a Hannibal Lecter type, where he's locked up, and Batman has to use him in some way. In order to catch the real villain, right? If that was the case, I don't know if Bane would have been the natural choice there, because I feel like if you have a story where you're utilizing Joker, you would need to find a villain that is similarly chaotic, or or not 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 the same as Joker, but Bane is essentially like a blunt instrument, right? He's powerful. He's backed by you know. League of Shadows, Talia al Ghul, all that stuff. Spoilers if you haven't seen the fucking movie. Um, but <laughs> but you know, it's like a it's like a whole um I think it just changes the whole thing. I just it becomes a completely different movie. And you have to uh you have to consider that maybe they go in a different direction. I don't know, maybe maybe they don't even revisit the Talia al Ghul stuff, you know. I don't know what the primary focus of it would be. I guess that's the tough part. Yeah, you know? that, that's it'd be interesting thing. to know if Bane was even on the script, if the Joker was still around. What was like the Tom Hardy character pulled in, especially Tom Hardy to be, you know, the next big actor to really help the movie along, be the big, I think big he bad did, villain. I think he did great. Like I think it was a it was a solid final movie in the trilogy. Mm-hmm. I just think that it was really tough to beat what the Dark Knight did. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Agreed. You know, like it was kind of set up for failure in that regard, but it was still that's like, a hard follow up. <laughs> right. It was a good movie. Um, I just, you know, I had to bring that up because I can't help but think even if Heath Ledger had the smallest of parts in in the the final movie of the trilogy, like what it what it could have been. 
I, I think if he was in the movie, if he, if he had lived and he was in the movie, I would have wanted to see something clever done. I wouldn't want to see him. I wouldn't want to see Joker as the villain again, but I would want to see him utilized because like, what would the th- biggest threat, like, like what threat would he pose to Bruce Wayne? Well, he knows the truth, right? About what happened to Harvey Dent. So I'm not sure that you can justify eight years in prison while Joker is sitting in Blackgate and has that information. So I think that entire context might change. At the same time, if they really want to lean into Dark Knight Returns, Joker only comes back after Bruce Wayne puts on the cape again in that story. So you could theoretically do the eight-year thing, but the context in which that happens, how and why and when, too, I think too much about it changes to say for sure. I would have loved to have seen it, though. I mean, you know, the yeah, Ledger was, was, you know, he was going up at that time. I mean, you had I'm Not There, which is incredible if you haven't seen it. Yep. Parnassus was okay. Obviously, he died while he was making it. And then, um, you know, this, it's just it's a shame. It's a shame, man. It really is. And I, I think that goes without saying that, you know, like his career was on the up. And I think that anything he did in this uh, this world of Batman would have made the movie better, regardless of what the story was or whatever was going on in, in the next uh, the follow up movie to this. You'd hope. But, you know, it's not a foregone conclusion. I mean, there have been plenty of times where somebody goes back to the well and it's not as good, you know, so it may in a dark way it may have actually been a blessing that he wasn't around to be in this movie again, because like you just said, how do you follow this movie up? Yeah. How many times has it been done? Like Godfather, um, evil dead. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's an argument that we'll never have the answer to, um, which is, you know, maybe a blessing, maybe it's unfortunate. Who knows? Um, so we have a couple categories left. Um, this next one is, you know, it's kind of, I, it's it's favorite character. If you were to choose a favorite character in this movie, who would it be? I'm imagining that everybody here chooses the Joker. Is there someone that has a different uh, opinion on that? If do they have a different answer, you can say no. It's no problem. I I, I do love Gordon. I mean, Gordon's great. I, I think there's a there there's I, I don't think there's a better choice than than Gary Oldman for for Jim Gordon. Um, I think he's he's been the best at it. Um, you know, Brian Cranston voiced a really great Jim Gordon in one of the animated movies. That was awesome. But well, I didn't just, know that. That's great. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, he was pretty good. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the we talked about it before. I mean, Alfred is Michael Caine's one of my favorite actors. So, you know, it's just peppered with great performances everywhere. But I, really yeah, I was, was going to say Alfred. Gordon. Yeah. As one of my favorites, because he was consistent through all three movies of helping, supporting and giving Batman you know, solid advice. The the Burma story in this movie, oh, and he's talking about the uh, the jewel thief and how it relates to the Joker. Just being, he didn't care about stealing these jewels for money. He just wanted to see chaos. He wanted to see the world burn, and you know, he was trying to, you know, be that man to Batman, the father figure. Just like, hey, dude, you know, you gotta see what's going on here. This guy just wants chaos, so you fighting him or are you trying to battle him you try to get over him you can't because it doesn't matter he just wants to see everything on fire that that speech was in one of the trailers leading up to the movie and it was like that i think that's probably i mean it's an epic speech yeah. 
in the movie, whether I'd seen it in the trailer or not. But I think that's part of the reason that that, you know, I get, I get a little goosebump every time he's about that to. Was, that was that first teaser, man, right? July, yep. July, 2007. It was like just the artwork of yep. the, uh, of that like billowing thing. No and actual images from the movie. Just so Alfred saying it. And then and he goes, starting tonight, people will die. Yep. I'm a man of my word. Yes. Oh, so man. Good. <laughs> so good. So awesome. Uh, yeah, so I guess we're all kind of clear on the Joker there. I Again, I want to bring up Harvey Dent again. That whole, that whole, his whole character is just, it's so great to me. Like the, the duality there. Um, and his, like I said earlier, his fall from grace and, and all that the rage that he that he has um and Aaron Eckhart was great I mean he's like a a pretty big name but you know he's he's done like a couple things he's not like this gigantic star or anything I just I thought he he stood out and he he did a great job in the movie I feel like sometimes he Aaron Eckhart doesn't get his due I feel he does a great job about all all the things I've seen him in and I can't say it's like amazing yeah but it's solid every time it's just, you know, like for, for me, his character, and maybe it's the writing of his character that has a lot to do with it too, but for to stick out like like it did to me at least, um, when you have such awesome characters to begin with already, like like Heath Ledger's performance and and Batman and, and Alfred and everyone and Gordon, you know, um, big names behind those characters too is you know, it sticks out to me and I I just wanted to mention it. Um can I throw a deep Aaron Eckhart cut at you guys? The first film I saw him in was Paycheck with Ben Affleck. Oh my god! You see this oh, film? Oh wow, that's a deep <laughs> yeah. cut. That's a it's deep like cut. the deepest cut I could ever do, man. <laughs> yeah. God, what a throwback! Um, so this next this next one it's kind of a tough one for this movie. Um, it's a category we do for every movie, though. It's called uh, the drinking buddy category. If you were to grab a drink with one character from this movie, who would it be and why? <laughs> I don't know who wants to start with that. I'll start. Joker. <laughs> so that was one that I had. I had Joker dot 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 question mark. Mm. Like, would I would I really want to grab a drink with him? Like, obviously, he's a fucking maniac. <laughs> well, want to grab a drink with him? Would I want to grab a drink with him? I think so, because I feel like I wouldn't have to pay for it. <laughs> well, no one's paying for that drink. So. He would help you he would help you get out without being harassed for the bill. Mm. Something along those lines. Something. I would just want to be in the vicinity when whatever happened happened. Just just to see. Just be a bar fly next to Joker. Or you think the the Joker drinks because in the the penthouse scene, uh, he throws it over his shoulder. Uh, that well, means more for me then. Oh, that's well, he, a really that's a really good observation. So, so he doesn't throw he doesn't throw the whole thing over his shoulder. He does take a sip. Yes, yes, yes he, does, he does. Like he grabs it and a little spills out. He takes a sip and then he just kind of like I think he throws the rest and then puts it down. Yeah, he does take a little sip though. Um, uh, for he me, starts like slapping people. Right? He's like, you know where Harvey is. <laughs> yeah, you know where Harvey is. No, he is. My my choice will be the second chair of the Russian ballet that he absconds <laughs> uh, myself. The I was going to say um, that's oddly specific. <laughs> I was going to say one of the mobsters, Chechen, the guy with the dogs. I would like to sit down and hear his story. 
Oh, fuck yeah. Because clearly, clearly he, he's deep. He has henchmen. He's got dogs. You know, he was, pissed. He, was, he was pissed in the beginning with the scarecrow. And it's like, well, look at what your drugs do to my clientele. Mm. You know, so I'd really like, I would sit down and have a few drinks with him. See where, what, what did you do in the last 20 years? I would love to hear that. So that That's reminds me, that reminds me of two of my favorite details from the movie that I should bring up. So one, the scene with the Cheshire where uh, Joker's got the pile of money mm-hmm. and yes. he burns the money, right? Jumping down the pile and sliding. Right. Yeah. Simple scene. Well, I love when he much was throwing uh, a pack of money at Lau sitting handcuffed to the top. Right. He, just, he <laughs> right. The Joker just throws right. a pack of money at his face. Lau's at the top of the pile. And a lot of people don't put it together. They got around an R rating here. They keep the shot low when Joker lights up the pile of money and the Cheshire's like, what, you know, but Lau gets burned alive. You just oh, don't see man. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lau's still the there. Yeah, yeah, he's still up there. So point. I love that. And then that's a, yeah, that's a great I, little. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a moment at the end where they reference Harvey Dent and he says something like, you know, he's killed five people. And if you're watching the movie up to that point, you're like, what are you talking about? He's only got four of them, right? Four victims or something. Where's the fifth one? It took me a bunch of time seeing the movie to see where the fifth one is. But the moment when Maroney's getting into his car right before Harvey Dent's in the car with him flips the coin. Mm-hmm. Again, this is that whole like this hand's doing something, but you're watching this hand thing. The camera pans like this. And as the camera's panning over to the car, you see a hand come in out of frame and grab one of the henchmen real quick. And then Harvey Dent's in the car. And it's like, really fucking cool it's it you absolutely would never see it on a first watch but like going back it's just part of the precision of the filmmaking and everything it's it's fucking perfect that's that's one thing i did notice after i don't know what at what time i noticed it because again i've probably seen this movie a hundred times but yeah that's that's something i did catch on to is that so cool the hand yeah that's a that's a great catch yeah but i like the baroni coin flip and he's just like uh I'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance. And he's like, oh, Baroni goes, oh, I thought I had, uh, I thought I was okay. He's like, oh, you didn't lose. He yeah. lost. Yeah. And Baroni's like, who? He's a driver. <laughs> <He's> a driver. <laughs> Bang. Um, I'm surprised no, nobody brought up Alfred. I'd love to get a drink with Alfred. I think that he's got a bunch of stories from his past. Not to mention, you know. If- I bet he can make a great drink too. <laughs> I would hate a butler. Probably makes a great cocktail. Um, you know, plus I would just love to hear Michael Caine talk. I could listen to him talk forever. The only thing that throws me off with Alfred is the company Michael would Kine. be good, but I think the drinks that you would have would not be great. They'd be like aperitifs. They'd be like uh like a peppermint like, he, dessert he did, drink or something. He, does, you know? he references to the uh the I think he called it the Fernie Branca in uh right, right. Um, yeah, which is absolutely disgusting disgusting it's it's right. a big drink i'm a bartender in newport it's it's a big uh like fernet um is just oh like the, the <laughs> oh, are I, I live in providence Act. we take shots at fernet at the bar yeah dude people people love to shoot that <laughs> there's a couple local bars around here with the staff like the the staff will come into to our bar and, and they love to do shots and that's like one of those things that they do shots of and it's like oh you want one i'm like fuck no it's yeah, i don't know yeah. why you guys do that i get it it's an italian digestive whatever no not for me um, I, I would think Alfred would could make a great um, old fashioned. Can't tell me, can't. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Good call. 
Yeah. I would not be surprised. I would love to sip on some bourbon with Alfred. Um, this last category is. The, got is to. Uh, what's that? Bill? You got to do it, man. You got to do it. Is this this is my favorite one, right? Yeah, it's the fuck that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So Nick, this is uh, you know, co-creator Nick. R.I.P. to him in this episode. Couldn't be here. Uh, it's the fuck that guy category. It's his baby. So it's basically just uh, you know, when you're watching a movie and and you're seeing a character and you just go like, fuck oh yeah, guy. you know, like just yep. fuck that guy. Uh, so I have a couple here. The the first one I had listed was Coleman Reese because just, you know, he's a little fucking douchebag the whole time. Um, Maroney was two because it was the, that quote that she used earlier that, you know, what makes you think I want to hear you talk? Like after that, I was like, oh man, this guy's such a douchebag. Oh, see, no, I read that completely differently. That guy is in <laughs> command of his environment. I have a lot of respect for Maroney. So. And that's fair, man. You definitely, you definitely don't have to pick him. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Um, up, Jack. <laughs> I, had, I just uh, live I had, in the world. I don't make the rules. I had Coleman, Reese, Maroney, Lau, and Ramirez were the, were the couple that I had in here. If you guys had any off the top of your head that yeah. you were of and you just said, fuck that guy, feel free to go ahead. But I'm going to go with Coleman, Reese. I think that's kind of a clear winner for me. I, I've got one. Um, I don't know the character name, but it is the most glaring, terrible character in the movie by far. It is the co-pilot of the SWAT van during the sequence, the chase sequence. <laughs> he oh, says, man. that's not good. That's okay, awesome. that's not good. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, was thinking- that's the most like that's the most cringe uh, character in the it film. It really is the whole time. Yeah. Absolutely right. That's actually, that's a great fucking choice. Terrible. Awesome that's shot. That's not good. That's not good. That guy's been in a couple of Nolan movies too. That's not his first Nolan movie. I think he was in Insomnia and he might have like a bit part in Prestige or something, but yeah, it's terrible. One of those like random, like small, small characters. That something like that. Yeah, it's terrible. Like maybe, maybe he's like the, I don't know, like the godfather of like, just like a distant relative that wants a part or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's horrible. So funny though. That's fucking great. Yeah, I, I like that for the winner. If you guys have. You guys have anything else? Oh, that's definitely a winner, but I agree with you, Zach, on Ramirez. Fuck her. Yeah, fuck Ramirez. They're, they're a fucking bad person. Gordon was looking out for you, worrying about your mom, and you're looking at him dead in the face, and you already know that you're plotting against him. But fuck you. Fuck you. Exactly. I completely agree. Um, Jeez, I can't top those. <laughs> that's all right, man. If you're in agreement, that's fine. If you had to pick between Ramirez and uh, and or one of the others, who would who would you pick? Because I'm gonna go with the, the the SWAT team guy after what Jack said. Because yeah, <laughs> fuck him. Terrible. I just, just feel terrible. like you know what, whoever Joker's father was, <laughs> fuck him. Fair enough, dude. I feel like he wasn't cool. That's a deep one. You know, uh, you know who comes to mind in this category now that I think about it is uh, the guy who kills at the very beginning that first scene when Joker basically tells everyone to kill each other off. It's the the second guy who kills the guy at the vault. Mm. I oh think yeah, he was a, he was the driver of the car that picks up the Joker. Is that him, the driver? Yeah. yeah okay. Because, you know, he's like, funny, he told me the same thing. The guy's like, what? No. And then he gets shot. I was like, ah, fuck you, dude. Well, I do want to note that the <laughs> vault guy, because he got electrocuted, and then realized oh, yeah. he charged up, he puts his shoes on. I don't know if you noticed that. At first, I thought it was other mitts, 
one of my so, first watches of this movie, but it's his shoes that he has on while he finishes that's unlocking so funny the that you mentioned that because my roommate was watching this with me uh he, he caught a little bit of it before before he left and he mentioned that he was like he's wearing why is he wearing fucking shoes and i just kind of didn't say anything i was like i was like you know taking down the notes like right now like oh yeah he's wearing shoes like oh yeah but yeah it's because he got fucking electrocuted for a long time i thought it was just other knits but it makes more <laughs> sense being shoes with rubber soles right makes um, sense I'd like to add to people I want to get a drink with. Uh, oh, yeah. uh, speaking of the first scene, uh, William Fitzner as the bank manager with the shotgun. Yes, agreed. Like to, he, like he's pretty fierce with, with that. He's pretty fierce with his uh, uh, loyalty to the mob. Yeah. He's like, like what the he, fuck are you doing there? You don't be robbing? Yeah. And shooting them with his shotgun. He was he's pretty like, confident you guys doing? in that first shot. Like he, you know, he just kind of did like the quick turn in the chair, got up and yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a pretty he, he does a, like a cool slide right when they walk in. He's just like, oh shit, shit's going down. He just like slides to the wall. Yeah. So he can't Yeah, see. dude. Yeah. <laughs> and side note, that's the shotgun he uses, the Joker uses throughout the rest of the movie. Because he steals his shotgun when he leaves yeah. on no. the bus. He uses the shotgun. I think maybe three more scenes in the yeah, movie. Yeah, he, he, kill, he kills the, the bank cop manager with it, out of the shotgun. truck with it. Yeah, because he puts the smoke bomb in his mouth and he picks up his shotgun and hops on the bus. That's so cool. That is yeah, a good so little cool. tidbit there. Yeah, I did. I, that's not something I I thought of either. Um, on the topic of the drinking buddy thing, I did want to um, I did want to say I'm drinking a well, I'm sipping on some bourbon, but I have. Because we we lost Nick in this podcast, he could not be here. Um, this is a little gift that he gave me as part of his uh, groomsman gift. It's a, a little bottle of Casamigos uh, Reposado tequila. So Clooney, Clooney. Oh wow! Yeah, that's delicious. It is fucking delightful. <laughs> it is I'm fucking do, uh, delicious. A little shot for him uh, for that. R.I.P. So, yeah, R.I.P. Nick. Um. So, guys, unless you had anything else to add, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Uh, the Dark Knight. Do you guys have any final comments? Anything else to say? I think we went over everything pretty well. You know, one thing I always find interesting when talking about movies is what the things that you didn't like about them. Because I don't, I, I'm kind of a firm believer that like it, there's no perfect movie. I used to think there were, but the older I get, there really aren't. Like there's the, always there's always two or three things, Jack. Right? That like yeah, even yeah. in Lord of the Rings, like it's like ah, that, yep. that's a shitty, <laughs> like that's right, a shitty right. line. You know, doesn't mean you don't love it or whatever. It's just like eh, you know, they could have done that better. For me, this Ooh. movie, the only thing, and and it's it's a favorite of mine. I, it's it's a perennial top ten movie. Like this is just one of my favorites. The only thing that bugs me about this movie is that I feel like the last 20 minutes are a little awkward. The pacing feels weird. Once things hit a certain point, they get to basically the hospital scene. The hospital scene's great, and the pacing is like working. Everything's kind of getting to that point. And then there's like an awkward 20 minutes where you get a great sequence where, you know, the bad guys are dressed up like the good guys, good guys are dressed up like the bad guys, confrontation with Joker. The two uh, boats, you know, the ships, which we didn't even really talk about at all in this podcast. The whole idea between the two of them blowing each other up. And then we also need to resolve Harvey Dent after that. It's a phenomenal final scene. And I like everything that happens. But I do feel like pacing wise, 
there could have been some editing changes that maybe would have made that feel a little more cohesive. Because I feel like the movie has all this propel propulsion, this like momentum. And then it has a different pace for 20 minutes. It's not bad, but it's different than the other stuff. So you know? are you saying basically like after the Joker is caught, like from, from there on out, like, it, like, is that when it kind of changed for you or like, like I think it changes like... at the hospital scene. Honestly, okay. it's like, you're saying from the, there. Yeah. Like, like pretty much after Rachel Dawes dies, if it, it feels like, and then the hospital scene happens, I don't know. It just feels a little different. It's not bad. It's just, it doesn't it feel like to me. The ending the was like rushed. Real quick, Instead I do want to say. More, a little more dynamic than the other, like the first half of the film. Maybe. Or, or, what do you. Real quick, I just want to say that after, because you brought up the Rachel Dawes death, and I meant to bring this up earlier. That shot of Batman holding the uh, the coin on top of the rubble mm. was, that's one that sticks with me forever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think oh, that's, absolutely. That's an absolutely iconic shot. That and the Joker uh, in the street saying uh i want you to do it i want you to do it those those two i can't believe that uh i didn't bring those up earlier um mm. for whatever reason uh sure yeah i wanted to bring those up those are very iconic scenes well then also the joker leaving uh after he blows up uh the uh jail cell him leaving in the car oh, him, uh, his, waving, out of the, waving his yes. face out of there just oh man his laughing and, and, the, and the, it's, it's smile the music on. the music too with that yeah there's yes. no there's no sound design it's 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 just this sort of really disturbing pulsing yeah it's just it's just noise and then him being sadistic hanging out the window with his hair waving i actually made a canvas of that it's uh, i would dig it out but it's in the closet but i have a like a like a sixteen by twenty-four of that scene. Like you, you paint it or you drew? Yeah. It? Oh no, no. I I print. I used to run a print shop, but I I, oh. I printed it like a G clay print. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Um, I saw. I interrupted you guys talking though. I apologize. Um, no, no. I the only thing I would say is I just think it's a. It, there's a pacing weirdness to it. It feels like. I don't know if it just feels like the momentum that the movie is 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 throwing at you it like stops and then we need to resolve the other stuff but it doesn't feel smooth to me mm. it, it's not that it's not good I still love the movie it's just the only thing about the movie that if I were to critique anything about it I think that's I would try to look at the last half hour and find a way to make those events flow a little bit more seamlessly together so that they feel more like all the same story happening to me it feels like there's two hours of one story and then 20 minutes to resolve it it doesn't feel like those 20 minutes to me are the resolution of the two hours that came before it even though they are it's the resolution for those characters but it kind of feels like an addendum in a way mm. you know i hear you yeah i haven't thought uh, about that but i definitely agree if there was 30 more minutes of that movie it was a three-hour movie and they, you know, each scene, each of those last scenes were an extra five, ten minutes. I, I agree with you, Jack. Like, the wholesomely, just like the the first pace of the first act of the movie, I agree with you. It could have been a little little smoother, a little more in-depth. Hmm. I said really thought about that. I'm, I'm going to grab a quick memento, which is my only remaining memento of a bunch of swag I got in 2007 um, for this film at a marketing event. 
but let me grab it really quick. I remember him telling me about this, actually. it's the. Uh, I still have some of my stuff, too, but it's in a box downstairs, so unfortunately. But, but yeah, no, that's, that's actually an interesting thing. I don't know. Maybe on future podcasts, it's worth diving into. It, it, the things that you don't like about the movie, I think, are just mm-hmm. as interesting as the things you do like sometimes, you know? Right, because they're, you know, you're absolutely right. No movie is perfect. There's always at least a couple things that you can kind of nitpick or say that, you know, this could have went differently or that could have went differently. So, yeah. The, the easy example for me is with Nolan movies. He's awesome at doing practical big stunts. All, all things are practical. They're awesome. I appreciate the practicality, but if it was in CGI, it would have been a little more buffered, a little, you know, it would have... Uh, just look better like you know the is the practical things you can you kind of see like oh you're running the plane to this building these things are breaking before the plane gets there kind of stuff but i appreciate the practicality of it mm. yeah i mean the one that i always think of in in like great movies godfather has a great one where sunny is uh beating the shit out of carlo in the street like he finds out that oh. Carlo beat the shit out of Connie and he walks oh, up God. to him. James Conn's actually done interviews about this and shit. And he's like, you know, he, he talked about having like uh, the prop guy throw a piece of wood in the car just to like do something with. But when he throws the piece of wood at him and he starts beating the shit out of him on the street, you could see like the distance between his fist and Carlo's face is like this. Oh, man. He keeps like pulling punches. It's terrible fights. It's so bad. It's like, yeah. uh, but it's the Godfather. So, like, who am I to say? You know, it's like, great right. fucking movie. So. Yeah. Like, that, that's one that you're absolutely right about that scene. That's one thing that you can kind of nitpick and say, like, God, good God. Like, that was terrible. Yeah. And that reminds me of that scene from The Irishman with the same thing. It's like the, yeah, yeah. when he, when he was <laughs> fucking outside, I think Robert De Niro's character was just like kicking him on the sidewalk or whatever. And it was just like, oh, God. It's like kind of cringeworthy. Like, it's not even close. Yeah. You're not even close to his head or whatever. Right. Um, um, Bill, you get that uh, little memento. So I'll, I'll overgale you. Uh, so your your camera's a little fuzzy, though. I know. I'm trying to get it to. Uh... Ah, that looks. Uh... Your thumb looks good. The thumb looks good. You look oh, like detailed thumb. So I'm I'm gonna draw my face on the thumb, <laughs> and we'll have a good time. Um, stand by. Standing by. Stand by. Take your time, man. I can edit out whatever you need to. <laughs> Bro, you suck. So unprofessional. It's unbelievable. It's, it's you know, he's been on here a bunch of times before. He knows the deal. This is oh, an asshole. Oh, it's like a space there Odyssey, is. man. There it like, is. The way I just like came in like the baby at the end of uh all right. So now you're talking about how you came. Fucking gross. Come on. Dude. Speaking of unprofessional, Jack. So um <laughs> dude. Just as God made me. Trying to tell a story, him. Jack. <laughs> trying to tell a story. Um so dude. 2007 August, Marble and I, Justin Marble and I had uh, no, uh, we didn't work full time. Uh, it was right after high school. We didn't have girlfriends. And, and so we got word that there was this viral marketing campaign. So this, so this marketing campaign did all 50 states. They did like the capital of each. It was just two people. They paid to like drive around the country and set up like a fake campaign booth for Harvey Dent. 
with like free swag. Dude, we just drove up from North Kingstown and <laughs> we took so much stuff. We t- there, there were shirts, bumper stickers. Where did stickers. you hear about this? Because yeah, I remember heard there, was, about that. there was a girl in my grade that I wasn't very close with, but I knew. Um, and she she bought she had the the I be, she had the bumper sticker thing the I believe in Harvey Dent thing and she had the t shirt uh, a Joker t shirt that she also got from there and she was t- like I vaguely vaguely remember uh, her telling me about this but it's just kind of hitting home now Jack do you remember at all like how we found out about these uh, promo did, booths where did you yeah. have because I didn't I did not I, yeah I was, uh, JoeBlow.com had them listed where they'd be. Classic. And then I unfortunately was working at Dunkin' Donuts that day, but you guys grabbed me some stuff. I got the sign, the sticker, the shirt. Oh, that's what's up. Yep. Dude, love so. Dunkin'. Big fan. I, I wore that shirt <laughs> up until a few years ago. I um, So, like, the arms, the armpits yeah. wore out, so I cut them off, and it was my gym shirt. And, like, <laughs> um, and then I, I, yeah, I think it, like, ran out. But this is my last remaining piece of swag. Take uh, back Gotham City. Oh, the pin too. I still have the pin. It's like kind of oh, deteriorated cool. on the edge. Shit, it's cool. That's so awesome. sick. Also, while while Bill was showing you that, I did manage to dig out the canvas. I don't know how well you'll be able to see it, but oh yeah, oh that's sick. perfect. Oh yeah, that's that's sick. a Joker so. waving his head out the window. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's so trying awesome. to trying to avoid the the glare so you guys can see. Oh, it you're good. Right. That's yeah, that's perfect. Oh, you nailed it. it. Yeah, that's an awesome picture. So uh, so Marble and I. Again, we were like 17. And dude, these poor people, they were, they, it was a gig job. It, like they probably were getting paid like 12 an hour minus taxes. And, and they were like, oh, hello, sir. Please vote for Harvey Dent. And we were like, word, man, word. How are you, uh, you getting paid to do this though? Like, how can we get in on this? Can we try and be in the movies? Like, how, how'd you get in on this? And they were like, sir, we don't know what you mean. We we work for Harvey Dent for Gotham City. Oh, they, were, they were full on, huh? They yeah, were they all could, in. They were committed. Good for them. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah Me, honestly, too. good for them. Yep. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, that's really cool. I fucking, I wish I heard about that. Um, I guess that, I guess that wraps it up. Um, the Dark Knight, guys, that was awesome. Uh, Chad, Jack, thank you for coming on the on the pod. This was I think this went really well. You guys were fucking great. Um, I would yeah, love to have, for have you, buddy. For, yeah, I would yeah, love to have yeah, you guys on. Whenever uh, you know, I, I, we have a long list of movies here. I don't know what we're doing next. Uh, Bill, I did text you about doing a Mission Impossible at some point. Oh, like <laughs> I really, I really want to grind out some Mission Impossible movies. Oh. So Nick's not as big a fan of those; like he's not as into those. So I, I think that might just have to be me and you and and someone else thing. But um, yeah, I, w- I would love to do Dude, those. Again. I'm there for it, man. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm a mission man. I know, man. I'm with you. I fucking love it. Uh, so thank you guys for coming on. Um, stay tuned. Follow the Instagram, uh, Basement underscore Cinema underscore Pod. And throw some likes, throw us a follow, and we'll see you guys at sometime next week. Uh, follow the Instagram to figure out what movie we're doing next. Thank you very much. <laughs>